What's up, guys? Josh here from the Rising Action Podcast. In this episode, Grayson and I talk about another short story to film adaptation. This time, we analyze 310 to Yuma, a classic western featuring Christian Bale and Russell Crowe. We dive deep into the similarities and differences between the short story and movie, as well as give you a behind-the-scenes look at why I watched Pride and Prejudice. All of that and more is coming up next, so now I'm going to shut up and get into it with Grayson. Rising Action. Rising Action. Good to go. I believe so. I just want my phone call. What do we actually know? Rising Action Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Rising Action Podcast. My name is Josh. I am one of your two hosts. I just did a little fist bumpy thing for myself. Nobody can see that, but Grayson can. So yes. you're welcome, Grayson. How you doing, Grayson? It's It's been a minute. We took a week off, but we're back. We, I think the first time ever that we've taken a week off so i think it was a bit of a you know give ourselves a little bit of a break a you know a clap on the back and just be like yeah you you, you've earned this but also to be honest we wouldn't have had we not just been incredibly busy and we still are very busy both of us were busy people but other than that i'm doing good i'm actually very excited to be recording again um this is always a good opportunity to like just catch up and just talk about the stiff we like. So I am doing swell. This episode, uh, I think it's going to be a fun one. Um, we have both, we're, 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 we're doing a trend here. And in case y'all haven't noticed, our brains are extremely, extremely uh, original. And so we're doing yeah. a lot of crazy things that you've never heard of, and there's no pattern whatsoever. <laughs> so basically, we're going to talk about a short story in a movie again. So yeah, yeah. You're I mean, that. might as well though, because like, listen, I have this opportunity in this class to analyze these stories, and we are a podcast talking about stories. Um, so might as well, you know. Give something out to the public to discuss these these stories, which this week is three ten to Yuma. Um, but at the same time, like I can uh, I can get a quick assignment in too, and, and not have to because <laughs> listen listen I'm gonna level with you guys. Josh, he has a full time job, actually more than full time, uh, and he still does this. Uh, he's a very busy man. I have a almost full-time job. I work about 32 hours a week. I'm a full-time student. I take 15 credit hours. I have a whole lot of other stuff going on too with groups and friends. Um, it, it's a lot. It's a lot. And so, you know, if I'm, if I'm in a class that's based around storytelling and I do a podcast that's based around storytelling, wouldn't it make sense to just, you know, combine my efforts into one? So, we're going to just get into an in-depth discussion about uh, these two. And specifically, we're focusing on, at least for the film version and comparing it, the 2007 one. Um, I want to watch the one from the 50s because I do like westerns and I do like the old kind of, uh, not cheesier, but just more classic westerns. But Josh and I also like our modern westerns. Um, you know, we like our this movie. We like Hostiles, um, Slow West. That list goes on and on. Um so this episode was was inevitable anyway that we would talk about 310 to Yuma. Um, and we have talked about Westerns in the past before, but um, yeah, I was like, I, I don't do this every week um, for this for this class, but cons- when it when there is a a movie or a short story that I know Josh and I just just vibe with, I'm like, we gotta talk about it. We gotta talk about it. and this is a Western man. We gotta talk about it. It's a whole vibe. Um, yeah. <laughs> why don't we just dive into, you know, let's dive into what people know. Let's talk about the movie first and then sure, sure. we'll kind of get into how it is adapted from the short story and how different they are. Because I think, you know, when we're talking about short stories and movies. Inherently, there's going to be a lot of differences. Yeah. Um, but also I read the short story and felt like the tone was like the same like oh yeah you know, some of some of the other um short story and and movie episodes we've done you realize the short story is so incredibly different from the movie like with yeah. rear window where it's like yep. there's so much different here um 
this is, you know, not to be punny, but this is different. Um, <laughs> there, <laughs> there's less differences, but uh, we'll dive into the movie first. 310 to Yuma came out in 2007, right? Yeah, 13 Ma- years ago. Which- 13 years ago by James Mangold. Yes, and we love James Mangold. We love James Mangold because he created one of my favorite westerns ever, Logan. Logan. Yes. <laughs> We're talking about a western. He made a different. It, yeah, it's, fine. it's okay. It's fine. Maybe uh, one day we'll do a we'll do an episode dedicated to the 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 comic run of Old Man Logan com- oh, compared yeah. to Logan. That would be pretty cool because that's pretty different. Dope. But they but yeah, um, yeah. When I got when I figured out about this movie. The only work I had seen was uh, was Logan. I didn't really know who James Mangold was, and then I started to realize I'm like, oh, this guy kind of has a style with these with these westerns. He did make He's Ford a little v bit Ferrari. of a Coen Brothers style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he made Ford v, Ford v Ferrari, which I've still yet to see, and I'd want to desperately. But it's you know. incredible. Oh, have you seen it? Yeah, it's so good. Okay, okay, cool. Also, Christian Bale in that movie, um, but. Yeah, he has kind of a kind of his own director's stamp on things, but um, yeah, this I think this is definitely still one of his best. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, it's it's very lighthearted while also being super grim. Yeah, it, it it definitely like you know teeters between the two. <laughs> yeah, um, I really felt like. Uh, this was a movie uh, like pushed forward by stars. Um, Christian Bale and Russell Crowe in this movie are super, super good. And everybody else is phenomenal. They're so good. And everybody else is kind of inconsequential. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't really care too much about even, um, is it, uh, oh, Ben, what's, what's his name? What's his Um, name? So Ben Foster? Ben Foster. Who plays Charlie Prince? Yep. Uh, even Ben Foster, who kind of was, I think, typecast kind of at that point where he sort of just played the same kind of character over and over he, and over again. I, I mentioned that in my in class, how he tends to play these characters and almost all of these like Western style uh, projects. Um, yep. And every single one, I just hate his character so much. Or at least I don't like him as much as the other characters. Um, I think back to Hostiles, he was uh, Christian Bale, also in that one. Um, I also think to Hell or High Water. I thought um, he was great in Hell or High Water, though. He He's great. He's great. I didn't like his character, though. Um, oh, I like kind of like this character. He, he, <laughs> he, plays, he plays these, like, sleazy kind of, like, just troublemakers that, yep. you know... Compared to like, I freaking love Chris Pine in that movie. Uh, that's a different discussion for a different day. But yeah, Ben Foster, he definitely is typecast, especially in this movie. Also, we have a special appearance in this movie by Logan Lerman. Yeah, which nobody cares about. That's untrue. That is so not true. Stop it! Don't lie to you, ev- I, don't lie to America. You're being you sarcastic. Don't actually like Logan Lerman. Bro, shut up. Logan Lerman <laughs> is a fantastic actor. Go watch Fury. Shut Go watch Perks of Being mouth. a Wallflower. He oh. is a, he is such an underrated actor. Yes. You're, are you being serious right now? Yes. Actually, I don't like Logan Lerman. He's like a slight... No. Okay, that's going to mean... He's a better version of Taylor Lautner. They're exactly. not even in this. They're not even in the same league. Taylor Lautner is down here, and like <laughs> Logan Lerman is up. Dude, shut up! Shut up, man. I, the, I do. I do not like Logan Lerman. Maybe it was because he did the Percy Jackson movies, which stunk, and, and then he was good I also those. didn't really like him in this movie because he just is. He just looks like a little little chubby baby face, and he just has no. Did you like Fury? Right. On. I do like Fury. Okay. But I thought every other character was better in Fury. No. Everybody else in that tank was better than Logan Lerman. Brad Pitt and John Bernthal and Shia LaBeouf, great. Incredible. But, like, but Logan Lerman, come on, man. He's so good. Anyway, I'm, I'm getting some hot takes on this one. Hot takes. I'm the hot take guy. Like, I think that's just a thing at this point. I like pissing you off in front of other people and just letting you get mad. 
Yeah, I know. It's people one like of my to favorite do things. Because people like sometimes like I, when on a long day, especially like today, I um, <laughs> I uh, I'll forget like that people are joking or it doesn't seem like being sarcastic. It seems like people are being a lot more serious. Like today, total side topic. Uh, I was in a coffee shop and I asked like the girl to fill up my if she could fill up my water bottle with water and she was like, "You want water in your water bottle?" And I sat there like. Yes. What? <laughs> like, so confused. And she's like, I'm kidding. And I went, oh, yeah, sorry. It's been a long day. <laughs> I was, like, so confused. So, yes, when people do this, I remember one time I was also talking to someone, and they were like, Darth Vader sucked in The Return of the Jedi just to make me mad. And I was like, excuse me. No, he did not. I was like, anyway, yeah, you you do that, and that's fine. I'm just triggered. <laughs> So Logan anyway. Lerman would have been a great Spider-Man, just saying. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, but okay, but can we talk about Russell Crowe in... Yeah, why don't I explain what we're actually talking about first for anybody who might not even know what 310 to Yuma is. Oh, yeah, you may I realize sometimes we do this, we launch into a topic, and then later I'm like, yeah, if I didn't know what this was, I would still not know what this was. <laughs> so That's 310 fair. to Yuma is a story about a, at least the movie, is a story about a ranch hand who volunteers to take a prisoner to the 310 train to Yuma to hang. He's a, uh, a gang leader, a rustler, a bank robber, and a murderer. And he's kind of a terrifying person, even though he's He's not. a bad man. He's a very bad man. He's a very, very bad man. Yep. Um, and he, and he volunteers to take him to that train, and eventually through a whole long list of circumstances ends up being the last man standing trying to get this guy onto but this train you're, you're talking about his, to the way you you're talking about christian bale's character right correct yes, yes okay. sorry okay this is the okay. main character i don't even remember his name because i'm blanking it's been that kind of um week. well ben wade is the name of russell crowe's character ben wade is and the bad but see it's different in the short story and i get confused and it's 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 all fun and i'll look it confusing. up just for you uh but yeah it's G in the short story uh ben wade it's is jim, jim kid yes yeah. Which I was like, um, oh, that's Billy the Kid, like straight up. Straight up. Oh, yeah. So Christian Bale plays Dan Evans. That's his name in the short story? Dan Evans, yes. In the movie. I don't know. No, remember. in the movie. In the movie. In the movie. Dan, okay. In the short so he, story, it's, I don't remember. I don't either. He plays a ranch hand named Dan Evans <laughs> who <laughs> takes Ben Wade to the 310 train to Yuma to hang for crimes against humanity. And. Yeah. Um, ends up being kind of the last guy standing while Wade's gang closes in trying to bust him free. And it's very good. I explained it very poorly, and you might be like, wow, that doesn't sound super entertaining. Trust me, it is. It's great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Probably could have explained that a lot better than you did, but that's okay. I'm giving you the it's benefit fine. of the doubt here. Yep. Um, yeah, so that's like the premise of the entire movie and it kind of starts from a lot earlier on the short story however takes a much different approach where yes as someone who had seen the movie beforehand and you had to immediately as soon as it started i was like okay we're right in the final act here like yep. we are in the we're in the last like 30 minutes of the movie yep um and so it was interesting to get other people's perspectives who hadn't seen the movie yet where they were like, how are they going to make an entire movie out of this? And it's like, and well... And the other way, I was seeing the movie first, you're like, how are they going to make a short story out of this? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I was wondering. I was, I didn't know it was a short short story until a couple days either. before. And then I was like, oh, okay. Like, I assumed it was a novella or something. Like, that seemed to, right. to fit. But it is a 15-page, short, yeah. succinct short story that literally covers that... In the movie, it's probably the equivalent of like twenty minutes of runtime. Yeah, t I'd say twenty or thirty minutes, um, because Three Ten to Yuma is like they lengthen the main scene in the short story quite a bit in the hotel. Yeah, yeah. they um, do. So the, the movie, movie is two hours and two minutes. Yeah, it's yeah. probably the last twenty minutes is an accurate assessment. Um, yeah. So, like, what did you think of? Yeah, clearly we're both big fans of the movie just because of our, our, our love of westerns. Um, yeah. 
but more so I want to get your thoughts on the uh, on the short. I thought it was really, really good. Um, yeah. When it first started, I mean, it's it took me a second to kind of get into it because it there's just no details. There's no, it's I mean, it's so bare. It throws in you the way in. It's written. Yeah, it throws you in. Like from the get go, there's just dialogue going back and forth, and at times I hardly even knew who was talking. Um, it's just yeah. kind of it's very bare. There's not many details. It mm-hmm. reads kind of like what you would expect from this character. Um, Even though it's written third-person omniscient, um, it's written in a tone that would say it would be third-person limited, meaning it's written in the tone of the main character, kind of like how they're like a no-nonsense kind of character, and the way that they see the world is just in black and white. Like, it's very simple. Um, And so the the way it's written kind of follows that same pattern where there's not many details. They don't stop to smell the roses. They're kind of like doing their thing and they're going through it really quickly and giving you enough that you know what's happening, but nothing more than that. Yeah. So at first it was kind of tough to know what was happening because of the way it was written, but then you get into it and having seen the movie beforehand, the same tone comes through and you can immediately recognize that the characters have different names, but they're the same characters still. Um, yes. And they've still got their same senses of humor and kind of like the way that they interact with one another is the exact same. Uh, you can almost see Russell Crowe's smile on Jim Kidd yeah. and you can still see um, Christian Bale's like, just like he's so serious. And you can see that in his counterpart in the short story as well. Yeah. Like, very, very similar. Um, and it almost felt like it was a, the, the short story was a scene lifted from that last act of the movie. Um, Cause it, I mean, it was different, but it was kind of the same thing, like the same result and the same. It, it felt very similar. It does um, feel very similar, despite the like I was reading it and I'm like, yeah, I can see this happening, even though there are some clear differences. Right. Um, yeah, there's obvious like big there's characters missing and different things like that, which you would expect because they just don't need all of that extra detail. Yeah. So if like so one of the big differences with Christian Bale's character in the movie um, is that he is a, a farmhand or he works on, he's on a ranch. Um, and in the short story, uh, he is a sheriff or he is like a, he's a lawman. Um, he gets paid to do that. And they talk about like his pay rate and everything, which is a good good bit of dialogue. Um, so in the movie, it feels like almost like Christian Bale is a bit more, uh, well, Dan Evans, um, is a bit more like, doing it to prove himself in a way. Um, in whereas the movie, in the, sh- yeah. in the short, it's more of just like a sense of duty. Is, yeah. This is my job, you know? Um, yep. And Jim Kidd and, um, Ben Wade feel very similar. They're almost um, the exact same. Yeah. Except that like, you don't, I think the thing is you don't get as much of like what, um, he's like in the short and also like what he's done beforehand. Like we don't yeah. know. There's no prior details at all. Yeah, like in we fact, know you don't even know movie. he's got a gang until like four or five pages in. Yeah, exactly. And that's a like big he, part of the movie. Oh yeah, the the his gang is there from the very beginning. Yeah. Um, and then the biggest difference is the ending. However, I don't want to like get to that just yet. I want to kind of make that one of our our final to- talking points is comparing the endings. But but yeah, I think like that's kind of a testament to how good. Uh, of performances that Christian Bale and Russell Crowe give in the movie is that they really mesh with those characters. Um, Russell Crowe is absolutely my favorite in that movie. Um, Can we just talk about his hair? My Lord, he has great (laughs) hair in that movie. (laughs) He does. Um, Yeah. But Christian Bale, I just love seeing him in a Western setting. It just feels right. You know, Um, especially like with my, uh, with our appreciation for hostiles. Um, yeah, the the whole setup at the end is very similar, and like you like you mentioned, it does. I, so I breeze through this short story. Like I'm saying, like I read it in like it's thirty so minutes, easy to read. like because and I was at work too, so I'm sitting there and I'm like reading two or three pages, working and then going back to it. Yeah, but like it, it's really like I love some of the. Uh, let me see if I can pull up a like a quote. Um, One of my favorite quotes is when they're in the hotel room and. Uh, Jim Kidd slash Ben Wade. Basically, villains posse shows up, mm-hmm. and 
uh, sees him through the window. Yeah, he sees him through the window, and he leans out to the window and he turns to good guy and he says, "What should I say to him?" And good guy goes, "That you'll write every week," insinuating he's about yes. to be in prison and that I he'll love send him that. a letter every week. And I was like, "Oh, that's so good," you know. Yeah. And I was I was reading it and I was thinking, you know, as a writer. I wonder if I would think about that the first time I'm writing that that line. Like, would I think about something that nuanced where that line is not something that's just super obvious? Like, what should I say to him? Be like, it, it, you know, the response could be anything from, you know, they're treating me fine to I'm hungry. But no, he says... um, say you'll write every week which is just yeah. a super good line and there's a lot of lines in the short story that kind of make it in the movie or at least like the spirit of them makes it in the movie yes um, that line specifically is not in the movie i don't think but there's lines similar to that that make it in the movie because the characters and their relationships are almost identical yeah I'm trying to find this quote that was, it wasn't even a piece of dialogue, but I thought it was a really good line. It's hard to find it. It was like a very good character description. Um, oh man. I have to see if I can find it. Like here's one um, that I really liked and it's when um, they're talking about, um, like the gang outside it says people would be in the windows and the doors though. You wouldn't see them. They'd have their own feelings and most of their hearts would be pounding and they'd edge back of the door. Sorry. They, and they'd edge back of the door frames a little bit more. The man out on the street was something without a human nature or a personality of its own. He was on a stage. The street was another world like that kind of stuff right there. I don't know if that was the quote that exactly that I was thinking of, but that kind of stuff was like, I like that. Like he's on a stage and like mm -hmm. it, it feels like, like they almost compare it to like it being in a movie weirdly that like, and that's kind of how you, you always felt like it was in Westerns is like, it was kind of like the town was like a little backdrop for them having their own scenes where like the citizens were never involved or anything like that. And it right. kind of feels tried and true to a Western. And I, and I love those like cliches and everything. Um, I think, um, you know, my teacher mentioned that the original is not nearly as violent. Um, and <sighs> most, so what they change in that first movie is a lot of those similar, like similar changes. Um, the biggest change, however, the two biggest changes from the, the short, um, or from the, sorry, from the first movie to the second movie is, Logan Lerman's character, his son being heavily involved. Yeah. Um, which becomes a huge plot point for the movie, or at least a driving force for, um, for Dan Evans, by the way, uh, his name in the short story is Paul Scallon or Scalen. Yeah, that's right. Uh, he just calls him Scallon throughout the whole thing. Scallon. Yeah. Scallon's they say Paul Scallon at the very beginning and they just call him Scallon for the and rest of the And let's be honest. Scallon is a much better name. Than like, Dan Evans. Yeah. Yeah, like I, can we, I agree. Can we not just keep Scallon. He sounds so much rougher with the name yeah. Scallon. It also, I feel like it even fits better with Christian Bale play, Like, oh, Paul Scallon. Yeah, I can see that. I can totally like, see a Paul. I can. Pauls feel like they have thin faces to me, and then Scallon <laughs> feels like a rough guy. So I'm thinking yeah. like Christian Bale with a mean streak. Oh yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I don't know how they feel. How I feel about the name change from. Jim Kid to Jim Kid makes you think a kid, whereas it's too ben, derivative. Like it's straight up that is homage to Billy the Kid. It's homage to the quintessential like rough gang leader, the Wild West, the guy who's got his posse, like the bad guy in Magnificent Seven. Like yeah. that. That is what that is supposed to feel like. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I get why they changed it because you don't want it to be so obvious that he's just an archetype. But yeah. But he's not an archetype. Like he's got really good characterization in the short story. Um, he's got great personality, which maybe that is part of the archetype that he's like a womanizer and just this all-world guy. But he just happens to be a bad guy. I, I don't know. He doesn't feel like a bad guy, but he kind of like the only thing yeah. that he does is he he tries to make the jump on 
Paul once and then like he kind of stops. But yeah, he's got that charismatic thing going on. And that's what I, I what I like about Russell Crowe's performance is um they made him much more been. dangerous in the movie, I felt like. Oh, he's like a wild card for sure, but he's like he's so lovable. Like you can't yeah. like he's so you proper hate. and nice, but then like he will kill you in your sleep, literally. He, he yeah, does you it hate twice. to love him. It's like but then by the end, like you you just kind of love him like it's it's weird because he he has more of a like you said a characterization and he has an arc throughout that movie where like he feels kind of redeemed but he's not really redeemed um and and the short story doesn't really encapsulate on that um just because of you know how much shorter it is like we're not getting this whole thing the you know the short story and i always you know someone had wrote an article saying that like short stories are better for adapting into movies in this case i almost feel like it's not this feels more like a um this feels more like a tv episode or something like that or like you know like a like a radio show that you would listen to uh like back in the 40s and 50s like you would listen to this happening of like almost like a serial adventure of paul scallon you know like taking out these bad guys or getting them to jail or whatever the the movie feels much more personal Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, there's just, just more meat to it. Yeah. Which um, you would expect. And that's not me knocking the short story. Yes, exactly. Um, especially in modern Westerns as well, just with like the, the less, the departure from the, the tropes of original, right. like, uh, you know, older Westerns. Cause I mean, Westerns for a long time were literally like the Marvel movies of the world, like yeah. it was Western movies and TV shows and radio shows and books. Like people loved Westerns and then eventually they died down after some years. And I'm sure after inevitably Roy Mar- Rogers, the singing cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, and you had like, there was a whole like arc with those, with those Westerns. Um, yeah. you like, you started off with more of like the Lone Ranger and, and things like that. And then it got onto more of the Clint Eastwood spaghetti Western things. And then it started mm-hmm. getting more into like it, it, as time went on, it got kind of darker. And even now, like, you know, Westerns aren't like Westerns are kind of dead. Like it's not that people don't like Westerns, but it's not like right now we live in the age of like popcorn cinema. Uh, if you want to call it like that, like your like your action or not your, your big blockbuster movies with star Wars and Marvel and DC and all of that. Like that is the age we live in. And eventually that will go away. Um, yeah. But, I mean, Westerns just don't sell anymore. Um, yeah, sadly there, I, I, I don't know if there's a fatigue cause I feel like a lot of the people that are like going to movies, people, that are our age, like we didn't grow up on Westerns the way we grew up on, you know, Marvel movies, frankly. I mean, they started coming out in 2008 and, you know. Disney, Iron, <laughs> just Disney yeah, in general. Disney movies, you know, the first Iron Man movie came out when I was 10 years old. So, yeah, you know, that was my childhood. But I didn't grow up on Spaghetti Westerns or John Wayne movies or anything like that. I mean, I was introduced to them and I watched a bunch of them, but that wasn't, like they weren't coming out when... I was a kid and, you know, mm-hmm. they weren't shaping kind of what I was seeing growing up. And, you know, they're still, they just don't sell. I guess there's, yeah. I think you're right. Like there's a, an element of people want more entertaining stuff that is just like big spectacle explosion and like an experience. And Westerns never really were that much of an experience. They were slower stories. Um, you think of like Sons of Katie Elder where, you know, it's a classic movie and um, it's got John Wayne in it, obviously, but yeah. it just, if you were to roll that out now with an upscaled 2020 version, like would anybody watch it? I don't know. I would be the people like you and I that would watch it because oh, we would go see it cause we freaking love them. Like, right. Cause you know, I love that movie. I love Westerns. I love kind of like that style, the whole like dour, cowboy kind of thing like that's awesome it's the shane archetype that kind of thing super cool but it just doesn't really work as much anymore yeah um there's something very kind of fantastical about um i just said very kind of fantastical that's is it very or is it kind of fantastical there's something fantastical about westerns because 
they don't really have set rules in this time period. A little bit. And it makes me think, honestly, my love of Westerns, and my teacher mentioned this, it could be from Star Wars because Star Wars has a lot of Western aspects. Now, Star Wars, straight up, it's a space fantasy, but it has a lot of different subgenres. And if you think about it, specifically with like Han Solo on Tatooine, like that's a Western, man. Like he's in a bar or in a saloon or cantina, as they call it, in the corner with his holster and, and, and like his feet up on the table. You kind of don't know who he is. He got that roguish straight up. That's like Clint Eastwood right there. Like he's literally on a desert planet where like it's just a hive of scum and villainy. That's the old West. And that's so cool to me is like people like you don't really know where people lie. Like people will stab you in the back at any second because the law, frankly, just isn't there. Like there's no rules or regulations. It's a bit like a free for all. And that's such like a really cool aspect to me. Um, but I think kind of going back to th- going back to the topic of 310 to Yuma, James Mangold wanted to refresh or reignite that story and genre mm-hmm. with with a more modern Western. And we're seeing that a lot with these, like um, with either modern Westerns in terms of like the setting is modern, which I would consider a neo-Western, yep. um, or just making movies today that are Westerns with with better budgets and, and everything like that. And I think you can actually have, if you make a Western, it's actually, you're you can have a pretty low budget with them. Um, they're yeah, not, they're not hard. They're not hard to get like locations for, or oh yeah, or you know wardrobe or things like that. Like it, they're cheap. The yeah. problem is they just don't make that much money in the theater. So yeah, I feel like you know there's a movie that just came out, uh, an A twenty four movie called First Cow, and mm-hmm. and that's like a super low budget character study western, and. I think that's kind of where it's going to have to be for a little bit because you just kind of have to know if you're going to make something like that that's already got a cap at how much it's actually going to make, you've also yeah. got to cap what you're going to put into it a little bit. So the story yeah. has to be a little bit more slice of life or uh, a little bit of a smaller setting, like a slow west kind of thing where you know you might be able to get a couple big actors like a Michael Fassbender or the Hound from Game of Thrones. I don't remember the actor's name. I think it's Rory something. Anyway. Um, you can get those actors in it, but it's not going to be a crazy ensemble. Even Magnificent yeah. Seven, like that was a big deal and it made a lot of money, but it also had Chris Pratt, who is a Denzel crazy, Washington, Denzel, Ethan yeah, Hawk. crazy box office draws that like you could roll out a porno and that like people would go watch it if Denzel's in it, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> You know, like I mean, people just are going to watch that just because Denzel's face is on there. And yeah. it literally doesn't matter what it is. So it's also we I actually, you know, I'm usually not a big fan of remakes and reboots. Yeah. But with Westerns, I love to see what modern filmmaking techniques can do to elevate that genre. So when we see modern remakes of True Grit, Magnificent Seven, 310 to Yuma, Etc. Etc. Like I'm all for it. Now I, there's like certain films like you know, the Fistful of Dollars trilogy. Like I don't know if I would want to see those remade. Yeah, just I don't know because if you of like can do the same kind of justice yeah, to them. Those are very iconic. But like with lesser known stuff, like I'll be honest, this movie it wasn't very good, but I enjoyed it just because it was a western. Was the the Lone Ranger remake that they did yeah. with Army Hammer and like yeah, and uh, stuck though. It, yeah, it wasn't great, but like honestly, had some really cool like s- scenes and set pieces in that. I'm yeah. like, have fun, like go for it. Like, see, I mean, now the Lone Ranger is more like a superhero, like a superhero in the old west kind of thing. But man, like I'm totally on board with these with these more modern takes on uh, a kind of a classic genre because um, there's just so they, much more you can do with them. They kind of capped themselves by casting uh, Johnny Depp as Tonto. I don't think a whole lot of people were happy about that one. Yeah, that was the that was when things started to get a little bit more like oh whitewashing. Like, and as yeah. a kid, I was like, no, it's f- fine. And then I'm like. Wait, no, it's not. You that can't is not just, okay. You can't just stick to Johnny Depp out in the sun for the week and be like, all right, he's an Indian. Like, it, just, <laughs> it just doesn't work like that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, man. That's got to go to the socials right there. That's uh, <laughs> we, we got to talk about that's That's glorious. Anyway, um, on that great note, why don't we take a quick break and we'll talk about some worlds we've been exploring. 
Sounds good, partner. <laughs> it's been a minute. You've had oh, like two weeks now of of separation. We haven't seen each other virtually yeah. or otherwise. What worlds yeah. have you been exploring in the past couple weeks? Oh my gosh, I have to like go back and recall. Um, yeah, I'm pulling up my letterbox right now. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, that's smart. So, um, man, what what did I watch last week? Uh, I don't oh, know. Oh, Stand By Me. I watched Stand By Me. Ooh. Great movie. Loved it. Um, okay. Not much, like I gave it a five out of five on Letterboxd. I thought it was a, a just a classic movie. I loved the theme of it. Uh, it was only like an hour and a half. That's like my favorite runtime because it's like, ah, it's perfect. It's a, it's a, it's like, that's, that's it for me, man. Hour and a half or hour to 40 minutes. Love it. Yep. Stand by me was exceptional. I think I mentioned this a couple weeks back, but I actually, it may have been after, I don't remember if this was before or after Tenet, but I'll mention it again. So I've been playing through because of the new call of duty, black ops, cold war game coming out. And I'm a huge fan of that, that specific, um, series, and Call of Duty in general, but more of Modern Warfare and, and Cold War. I've been playing through some of the other Call of Duty games on Veteran. So mm-hmm. I actually went back and played Call of Duty Ghosts, which I had never played before. Um, and I beat that on Veteran like pretty quickly. Um, wow. Was totally blown away by the story of that game. Like, holy moly. Now, the game is definitely outdated because it's seven years old. Yeah. But man, they leave that story like you think it ends and you're like, ah, this is all good. Then they like throw a post credit scene in there that leaves it on a huge cliffhanger that I'm like, whoa, this could be so sick as a concept for a game. I'm like, OK, if we got this Modern Warfare reboot going on that just came out last year and it's really good and ruined Black Ops Cold War, a true sequel to the original Black Ops. Can we please get Call of Duty Ghost 2? Because the whole setup for it was amazing it got i love the theme the storytelling like i don't remember who wrote it it was a academy award-winning writer who wrote the story for call of duty ghosts really um let me look it up real quick because i actually think it's someone you're familiar with um let's see also great cast in that um like david or what is it (sighs) who is the main bad guy in avatar Oh, uh, Stephen Lang. Name? Stephen There's, Lang, yes, because he plays name? Stonewall Jackson in those C- Civil War movies, uh, Gettysburg and whatever, and they stink. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so yeah, he Stephen plays Lang. your dad in that movie, uh, or in that game. Sorry, um, he, plays he plays your dad. Yeah, the main like you okay. and your brother's dad. I was in, like in my Ghost. Dad. My dad <laughs> he plays your dad, room. Josh. <laughs> Stephen Lang is um, my father. Oh, that's so, terrifying. Yeah, and then your brother is played by Brandon Routh, who actually does an amazing job. That's pretty um, cool. There's some pretty cool celebrities in there. Call of Duty has gotten an, like a big uh, attraction for celebrity actors. I thought back on this the other day, and I completely forgot. In the first Black Ops game, you have a character. His name is Gary Bowman. He's played by Ice Cube. What? I was like, what? <laughs> I don't so remember random. that. Yeah, I know. So the writer for... Call of Duty Ghosts was Steven G- Geigen? Ga- Goggin? Um, what did he win an Academy Award for? Um, the movie Traffic? He got an Academy what? Award for Best Adapted Screenplay. Um, he got a ton of awards. When on did that. that movie come out? 2000. Oh, yeah, that's why I don't know what it is. So, I don't know. He. No offense, but I'm only 22 years old, so all you film people yeah. can go suck one. Traffic <laughs> uh, it has Don Cheadle, Benicio Del Toro, Michael Douglas. Apparently, it's a pretty good movie. Dennis Shoot. Quaid, Catherine Zeta-Jones. That really is a 2000 movie. Catherine Zeta-Jones? Yeah, yeah I know. Dennis Quaid? <laughs> Holy crap, dude. But Dennis Quaid can only be in Christian movies now. Or Hallmark movies, yeah. <laughs> he, can't get a, he can't get a real movie anymore. Speaking of Dennis Quaid, so the main character from The Boys is played by Jack Quaid. That is Dennis Quaid's son. Really? Huey, that's Dennis Quaid's son. Holy crud, dude. I was like, when we're living in Dennis the age Quaid, of- I bet, is so disappointed in his son right now. 
because he's in the boys, and Dennis Quaid is basically the Hallmark poster boy right now. He's like, if Jesus Take the Wheel and Happy Dolphins could be a blended movie, Dennis Quaid would play the dad figure. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm Amazing. sure he's so happy the way his son turned out. I don't know, man. I don't know. We're living in the age, though, where famous actors' sons are taking up, like, leading roles in big projects. We got John David Washington over here, Denzel's son. We've got Wyatt Russell about to be in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That's um, Kurt Russell's Kurt son. Russell's son. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of those going around. But, yeah, Call of Duty Ghosts. Then I also just beat the Modern Warfare campaign from the one from last year. was nice. really good, surprisingly. It, it gave me serious Zero Dark Thirty vibes. Um, nice. and I like that a lot because it felt more grounded and not like, Oh, the Eiffel tower is falling down in world war three. It's like, no, like you're breaking into a compound and like taking out, uh, like terrorists or like, there, I mean, there, there is a mission that it is, it is rough, man. In terms of like this game does not, it, I will say, I don't think it pulls its punches because, um, so there's a mission where you're playing as uh, a police officer or at least like basically someone who is tracking terrorist uh, activity in London. And you get out of the van and you're tracking this one van that has to, like is pretty much confirmed to have a bomb in it. And you yeah. go up to the van. And these guys are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And you're like, they're like, get down on the ground, get down on the ground. The van blows up in the middle of um, Piccadilly Square, which is in, which is like basically the Times Square of London. It's giving and, you London has fallen vibes, or yeah, a little bit, yeah. yeah. And so it blows up, and so these guys open fire on you, and there are people running everywhere. They are slaughtering citizens, and you like you and only a couple of other guys are like trying to take these dudes down with just like a pistol and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's a part where like I broke, like I walked into like a almost like an Under Armour type store, like a, a sports store, and there was hostages, and this guy was executing them, and I had to like stop them really quick, and two of them died because I wasn't quick enough. Rip. And then, um, and then towards the dumb. end of the mission, faster than that. Yeah, well, I did restart the checkpoint, and then I <laughs> only one died, but still, like he was killing them fast, man. Um, and then towards the end of the mission, um, you. Captain Price ends up coming in because uh, it's tied to like a larger terrorist organization. And there's a guy who has a bomb vest uh, strapped to him, like a citizen, not a, not a, um, and there also are suicide bombers in this mission. And it is horrifying because you have to shoot them in the head and they will just, they just run at you. But at the end of this mission, there's a c- civilian. He has a bomb vest on. He's like, take it off. The timer's going down and you, basically like you don't have enough time to save him and there's also other civilians with you and you're in there with him yeah and you're on a balcony and captain price is like there's no time he picks him up and throws him off the balcony to save everybody else's life and it blows up and i was like oh i don't know how i feel about that i'm like that's That's gnarly when it when you start playing the mission it literally tells you like this is not for the faint of heart like there is some serious stuff in this later on there's a part where you're interrogating this like this, uh, I don't know if he's, I think he's a w- arms dealer and apparently he has a wife and kid and you go and you're interrogating him and then you like leave the room cause he's not budging. And oh, one of your guys opens up the van and his wife, you have kidnapped his wife and kids and to like, like get information do. out of him. And you go up to the door, like you bring him up to the door and it, it gives you the prompt. It's like, do you, it's like, you don't have to do or Captain Price asks you, do you want to do this? You don't have to, if you don't want to. And I was like, no man, I'm out. I'm not doing this. And so you push me in and like, it just goes to black and like, they don't show you what happened, but it's like, it gets into some serious, like moral dilemmas. Um, there's an entire mission where you're playing as one of the main characters as a little kid. Um, and like you watch your parents get killed by like, by Russian, um, like by Russians that invade your country in the middle East. Yeah. Uh, you're running and hiding from this, like, this Russian guy and like having to hide under beds and stuff to, to take him out. Um, you get waterboarded in a mission and like it, it's, nice. it is intense. It is, they, they went pretty far with this one and I liked it in the sense cause they were like, this is what real war is like. Um, and I mean, it's still, you know, you're still running and gunning and shooting guys and everything, but like it was 
pretty gnarly. Um, and I enjoyed it a lot. So, um, so yeah, anyway, that's pretty much all I've been up to. Um, what about you? What, what worlds have you been exploring? So you could, I've, I've seen three movies in the last two weeks, which is kind of a depressing fact in and of itself, but better than uh, me, man. <laughs> you can tell I have been around a female because the three movies are Little Women, Phantom Thread, and Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Yeah. But yep. I'll be honest. All three of them. By the way, I gave you Phantom Thread. Have you yep. seen it yet? No. Okay. You need to watch it. It's insane. I do. I do. It is I, I, absolutely I did... insane. Okay. Like, okay. It sets you up as... This is just going to be a really prim and proper, like, I, I, I don't know. Like, it gives you the vibe that this is going to be a very period, perfect, like, little women kind of movie. And then it's totally not okay. at the very end. Like, it feels that way for about 90% of it. The last 10%, you realize, oh, my God, these people are insane. And it's great. <laughs> Okay. And it wraps up, and you're like, this is so awesome. They are perfect for each other because they're absolutely nuts. It's great. Interesting. It's like okay. being on a roller coaster that makes you barf, but you can't get off because you're also having so much fun. <laughs> I've never had that experience before, but you know what? I'll take your word for it. It's the best. Um, so yeah, I'd seen that movie before, but I rewatched it. I enjoyed it. I kind of forgot how nuts it got at the end. I really thought I was like, this is just like really... I, I kind of thought it was very romantic and just like it's I mean yes but no it goes wild <laughs> so um, yeah saw that uh, I also saw Little Women for the first time I was really excited about that because I've been waiting to see that for a while and frick that's a great movie really um, yeah it's better Timothy than the Chalamet. book do what Timothy Chalamet yeah Timmy <laughs> Little Timmy and Sarah Sharonin. It's so it it takes a lot of what Greta Gerwig did with Lady Bird and it applied it to the the Little Women story, and yeah. it made it so good because that family, you know, it's four. I think it's four girls, five girls, four girls. I don't remember exactly. It's Somewhere a family of all girls. And yep. the way that they kind of like interact and talk over one another and apply some of those same uh, dialogue techniques from Lady Bird, you lift them and you put them in Little Women and it's perfect. Um, I know I was talking to Seth about it and I think I remember him saying that he liked Little Women better than Lady Bird, which I think is really high praise because Lady Bird for me is one of my favorite movies maybe ever. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. um, Little Women was definitely up there. I think I gave it like four and a half stars on, on Letterboxd. It's good. Loved it. Absolutely yeah. loved it. It was fantastic. And then I watched Pride and Prejudice, which... Total honesty hour here. I watched it because a lady wanted me to watch it with her. Simp! <laughs> uh, Simp! Simp! I'm kidding. <laughs> I hope she's listening to this. Uh, <laughs> Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I sorry, I'm just ragging. I definitely on you. did kind of want to see it, but also there was a small part of me that was like, "Do I ever really need to see this?" Um, Listen, man, I'm just I'll watch it just for Kira Knightley. Yeah, she's. Yep. Anyways, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. She's she may be listening. I, listen, I don't have a girlfriend. I don't have anybody I'm talking to. Kira Knightley is hot. Okay. Anyway, so Haley, if you're listening it? to this, if you made it 48 minutes in, uh, the movie's fantastic. So, um, the movie sucked. No, I'm kidding. It did not. It definitely did not suck. Um, it was not as good as Little Women. I gotta say that right off the rip. Little That's Women fair. was much better, in my opinion. But I also like enjoyed Little Women more. Yeah. Um, I would watch Little Women five or six times. I genuinely enjoyed that movie a ton. Pride and Prejudice, I maybe not, maybe not quite. Um, it was a movie that, like, you just kind, you do. It's one of those things you just have to see. I know yeah. it is kind of like a quote-unquote chick flick, 
and therefore there's some of that connotation with it. Yeah, and I see TikToks it, with it all the time. It's kind of a fairy tale. <laughs> like it's not, you know, hate me here, but it's not super realistic. I felt like <laughs> <laughs> I felt like Love is it dead. was just so. I don't know. I felt like it was every teenage girl's fantasy. You know, that's fair. So that that makes sense, though. I mean, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. And it wasn't man. it wasn't goofy or anything. Like it was really good, and it it was dramatic, and the characters were great. Like Mr. Darcy was just like so somber and all this stuff. And then there's characters that are genuinely hilarious. Like there's there's this proposal scene where this guy is short. He's like five feet nothing, and he's proposing to Kira <laughs> Knightley, and she has she wants no part of it. Like the whole time she's like just so she feels so awkward around him and he's proposing to her and she's flat out turning him down and he keeps pushing on like he thinks that her turning him down means she's playing hard to get he's like and in like jane austen fashion he's going like i think you turning me down means i should play ever the harder and i'm going to keep coming after you until you say yes and she's like no shut up you tiny man (laughs) and she's like get away from me (laughs) It's hilarious. It's so That's awkward. That's rough. Um, so, it, like, there's genuinely great parts about it, but I don't know. I, I think I gave it, like, a four-star, but it was kind of one of those things where I was like, I don't really know how to rate this, so I just gave yeah. it a four. So, That's fair. Yeah. Uh, Pride and Prejudice, Little Women, and Phantom Thread again. That's the worlds yeah, I've been all exploring. All in the same vein of each other. <laughs> yeah, they're all kind yeah. of very similar to one another, except Phantom Thread goes nuts at the end. It's yeah. not like the other two, but... Yeah, that's yeah. the worlds I've been exploring. Interesting. Sounds so, boring. Just kidding. Oh, well, <laughs> I'm kidding. You do no, need to see Little Women, though. Little Women is genuinely fantastic. Okay. It's yeah. so good. I, mean, I like Florence Pugh. She's cute, so I'll watch it. Yeah, she is. I'm just kidding. I don't watch just. <laughs> I don't watch movies just because there's attractive actresses. Like I'm just saying. The two <laughs> movies I've talked about, you've been like Kira Knightley, ah, simp, and then it's Florence Pugh. Oh, and then simp. Phantom Thread, Daniel Day Lewis. Oh, oh kidding. <laughs> Honestly, that's kind of that's me. I, Daniel Day Lewis is so good; he can't do anything wrong. He is he's amazing. Yeah, he's so great. He could literally play a mentally handicapped person and be like, "This is the greatest thing ever." Oh wait, he did. <laughs> it's called My Left Foot. Go watch it. Oh my Anyways, gosh. wow. Let's hop back into 310 to Yuma and wrap this thing up, put a little bow on it, and say goodbye. Okay. We're going to put a bow on this episode. Grayson just snorted. It was hilarious. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Closing thoughts about 310 to Yuma. First off, uh, I enjoyed about the short story and the movie that they were very similar in tone and I felt like you could kind of like hop between the two worlds and it was very seamless. Like the characters had different names and the ending was different, which we do need to get into. But that's what I want to talk about. Yeah. I felt like they were, it was just like happiness because it's just, you know, you can go from one to the other and it's not like you're going to a separate place. Like with rear window, um, in that episode, we got really deep into how different the movie and the short story was, and I think some of it was the movie was kind of handicapped because it was made in 1950, whatever. Um, and the short story, like if they were to make it now, it would, it would be different. I'm sure it could have been more faithful and it, whatever. Yeah. But with 310 to Yuma, like, I mean, they feel so similar. They're kindred yeah. spirits. Yeah. And the only difference to me is character names and the ending. The tone is mm-hmm. the same. The characters are kind of the same. They're just retooled and repurposed for the movie. But the ending is a little bit different. So Yeah, that's what I want to ask you. What are your thoughts on the ending before I get into mine? And which do you prefer? Just kind of like cross-reference. What, what are your feelings on the ending of the short versus the ending of the movie? So correct me if I'm wrong because I'm, I'm really fuzzy on which one is which. The short story... Our bad guy dies, right? No. Nope. The oh, the around. bad guy dies? Yeah. Well, they, they die in both. Well. Are you talking yeah, about Charlie Prince? Yeah, no. I mean, um, Ben Wade slash Jimmy Kidd. He dies in neither. Okay. 
Okay, so here's what happens, folks. Okay, if you don't know, in the short story of 310 to Yuma, um, Paul Scallon and Jim Kidd, they attempt to make it to the train, and they are cornered by the gang. Well, what happens is um, when they're cornered by the gang, he ends up, like, shooting some of them, and I believe he kills Charlie Prince, basically, as they described, like, cuts him in half with, a sh- like, a shotgun. And then they, awesome. r- they run and jump on the train, um, and they both live, and they, they make it, and he's, like... Um, and I think he jokingly says, like, I think you've earned that $150 or whatever, you know. Good, nice moment. Very yep. simple ending. They, they get away from the gang, make it to the train, to Yuma. That's it. The movie... Much different. They very, run all the very way. Very sad. To, it's it's sad, but also very like very like yes. So here's what happens. They make it to the train, and then um, you know Paul Scallon, which is now Dan Evans, Jim Kidd, who is now Ben Wade. They make it there. They're cornered by the gang, and um, and. I'm trying to blank. Dan Evans is killed. He is killed by the gang, and uh, his I believe his son is there too. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, he watches him get shot. Watches him <laughs> because, get shot. Um, Charlie Prince shoots him. Yes, because he's Charlie Prince is like dead set on getting Ben Wade back. Yeah. Well, then throughout the entire movie, there's this really there's just kind of like friend connection between um, Evans and Wade, even though they are like. They're enemies, but they're, they're like frenemies. It's weird. Yeah. Um, and so then Ben Wade kills Charlie Prince and the whole gang, yep. actually. Because um, he respected Dan Evans and his resolve yeah. to get him to the train at yeah. all costs. And then in the movie, he gets, in, gets on the train after Dan Evans has gone to all this effort to get him there. Yeah. He's died. His son witnesses it. Wade kills his whole gang and then gets on the train and steps in the cage. And it's yeah. like, that's the end of the movie. But, so you're like, wait but a minute. Then, but then he whistles for his horse. He does. So he he basically fulfilled out Dan Dan's wishes, like his goal. But you know for a fact Wade is going to just break out again. Yeah. But he's killed out his entire, he's killed his entire gang as well and made sure that, you know, um, that Evan's son will get the money for what for like what happened and whatnot. Yeah. So, yeah, it's two very different endings, um, and I'm still unsure of how I feel on which one I prefer because I like both of them. I like the simplicity of the short story, mm-hmm. but I like the I like the arc. Compli- see, in order yeah, for the, the movie's ending to be great, you have to have the full arc of our bad guy, Ben Wade's character. And the ending in the movie completes his arc. And so even though it's kind of disappointing and Dan Evans dies and it's really sad, it completes a character arc. And so it's also satisfying um, because it's what you've wanted to happen the whole time. You've wanted Ben Wade to, you know, he's shown flashes of being an honorable guy, but he's also been really terrible the whole time. He's killed a whole bunch of people, but like you don't really care about him. So it's not like it's irredeemable. And then at the end, he does, I mean, he kills the whole gang. He kills Charlie Prince, who is, I mean, truly, like, if anybody is all bad, it's Charlie Prince. Like, he stinks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so he, he, like, that act of killing the gang is his redemption. And then he gets on the train, and it's like, oh, he's going to get the family the money, and it's going to be this great little bow on top, and then he whistles for the horse, and that's kind of like your Hollywood ending, where it's like, oh, but wait, he's not actually going to just go die, because that would be... That would also kind of be weird because yeah. he spent all this time and effort to not actually get killed, to get hung for his crimes. So he's not going to just get on the train and go just get hung. Like, that's not yeah. going to happen. Yep. So it's, I don't know. It's interesting. I don't know. Like, I, I like them both for their respective mediums. I yeah. think had if they were flipped... If the movie had gone exactly the same, but they both made it on the train and just did it, then I would have been like, eh, weird. Like, I, See, like it I wouldn't feel have like bothered you me. Done that where it would have been awesome. Yeah, but at the same time, like I don't know. I, maybe I like. Am I? 
am I morbid for saying I like my protagonist to die? <laughs> no. <laughs> like, but it also, I'm, it fills I mean, arcs. Because in the movie, it's set up to where it would totally make sense if Dan Evans died. Because he's in an impossible situation, and he's a farmhand. Like, there's no reason why he should live in yeah. the movie. And in the, in the short story, I mean, he's a deputy marshal. He's a lawman. He does this for a living. Like, it would be, it would be a little bit more plausible if he were to live and to yeah. kill a few people in the process. Like, in the movie, he's just a guy with big coconuts, you know? Like, he's just a guy with gumption. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. in the book, or in the, in the short story, I mean, there's a little bit more of a reason for me to believe he could actually survive this thing. Um, yeah, that's true. So, I, I don't know. Like, also, the fact that his son is there, that kind of plays into, I mean, he's going to die. His son's there. It just kind of makes sense in the way the movie is set up. And it's one of those things where it's one of the few times where I don't know you can say one is better than the other. Because no, I think they no. each fit the story perfectly. Right. I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, like, I, I love the short because of, of the way it plays out. But it's like, I'm not mad that the movie didn't do that and vice versa. I'm not mad that the short story didn't decide to kill off Paul Scallon. Like, I think it it works for what each is trying to achieve. And I think that's also kind of goes back to what we were saying with the more modern Westerns taking a darker, fresher approach of like, had this, you know, I don't, I forget what happens in the 50s version, but I get the feeling both of them make it out alive. I don't think um, Dan dies. Yeah. I think this one he does. And that's kind of like a modern thing. You know, we don't, I think for a long time we didn't like the, the not to say that this is a dark ending, like the, like the hero doesn't win because like he sort of does. But he does. also kind of does, yeah. Yeah, it's like... It's it's very strange, but like I still I like the way it plays out. Like I like that the biggest thing that I love is the relationship between Evans and Wade and mm -hmm. how like Wade has that arc where he he does respect and admire Evans mm -hmm. as not only like a person but almost as like a friend, you know. Yep. Um even if they like are at total odds with one another. Um, it's just like a very respectful thing and like why I, I love their characters and their, their duality. They're like, like very different people, but they still are like weirdly friends and like, there's a mutual like respect, I think between the two yeah. of them. And I love that. I love when, when characters are like, we are different, but we respect one another. And mm -hmm. that's like, that's just cool to me. Yeah. Um, so I it think it really was even works more impressive that they respect one another in the movie because Wade is so bad and the way it sets yeah. it up, like the very first scene that they interact with one another, it's Ben Wade has, and his gang, his posse have just robbed a carriage, a, a bank yeah, carriage or whatever, and they've killed everybody on board. And so yeah. your first interaction is, oh, this guy and his gang just murdered a bunch of people. Like, yeah. terrible person. But then Wade does just enough to where you think he's not all bad. Um, yeah. And there's some redeemable qualities, and you feel like the people he does kill kind of deserve it. Like, the people he's killing are not necessarily great people themselves. So there's no, like, perfect angelic kind of, you know, characters in this story, especially in the movie. And when he does have his change of heart, when he completes that arc, it's like, oh, I, I mean, that works. And the yeah. fact that they respect one another, it kind of makes sense because, you know, even though Wade is a bad guy, he's also like a great, uh, he's a great gunslinger. And, and he's also kind of got this flair and, and he's, you know, he walks into a town and people kind of quiver in their boots a little bit. And, and Evan's, get some respect because he's the one guy who wouldn't, you know, he's the one guy yeah. who wouldn't quiver in his boots. Like he just stood up to him and he just didn't care. So it, it's a great relationship. And I think that's why both the short and the movie work so well is that relationship mm -hmm. is great. It's perfect. Yeah. It's the core of the story. And I think yep. that's why I love it so much. Um, yeah. So if you yeah. haven't seen the movie, uh, I'm pretty sure I watched it on prime a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, it fluctuates. Um, it some it hops all over the place, but it's almost always on some streaming service. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think right now it's on Amazon Prime. Unless you're listening to this like six months after we post the episode, in which case I can't help you. 
I don't know. Yeah, that's how it be. That's how it do. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's let's just you know you can follow us on Rising Action under or on Instagram at Rising Action underscore. Correct. Love that. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at t- and Twitter at Josh Johnson ninety eight with two N's, and on Lebertoxed Letterbox <laughs> at uh, Josh underscore J ninety eight. Where can I find you, Grayson? At Straits the Ray on all three of the things he just mentioned. And also on the Comic Blast podcast, you can find both of us. Uh, we hop between these two podcasts. Sometimes Josh is on there. Sometimes he's not. Sometimes on there. Most of the time I'm there. Sometimes I'm not. Either way, if you like your pop culture and entertainment fix, go on check, uh, check Comic Blast out. Um, yeah. Also, make sure to leave reviews and ratings for wherever you're listening to this to. Usually uh, Apple Podcasts. That's where... It counts the most. And if you're not subscribed already and somehow are still listening, please subscribe and share it with your friends. It would mean a lot to us. Yeah. Word of mouth is the best. And if you enjoy what we're doing here, tell your buddies, tell your homies, tell your friends. We appreciate it greatly. It means a lot to us. I will personally give you a virtual hug. Yeah. He will. And uh, now I'm going to go to bed. So. Big iron. Big iron. We tried to match the ranger with the big iron on his hip. Bye-bye.